And hello, Lords of Grantham listeners, Dave here. Before we jump back into Belgravia for the next several weeks, we wanted to give our listeners a little preview of what we do on our Patreon, as well as an early Valentine's Day gift, since we're going to be spending all of February with our boy John Molasses. Um, in 2021, we did a deep dive into all things Pride and Prejudice on our Patreon feed. Uh, we covered the BBC miniseries. We covered the Kira Knightley movie. We covered the sequel series, Death Comes to Pemberley. And we also covered this loose, modern adaptation, Bridget Jones's Diary. Uh, I know it's not the most lovey-dovey love story, but, you know, hey, not everything is perfect. Um, if you like what you hear in this Bridget Jones preview podcast, uh, please consider signing up to our Patreon. For uh, $5 a month, you can join our upstairs tier and get uh, bonus content monthly, uh, as well as our entire backlog, which is multiple years worth of content. And it covers everything from rom-coms like Bridget Jones' Diary, as well as The Proposal and Notting Hill and some others as well as other fandoms like Star Wars and Harry Potter and even weird stuff that we like, like Netflix reality shows and Fast and the Furious movies. Um, we're dropping Downton Abbey fan fiction on our Patreon feed like this weekend that we've been working on for a while. So if that piques your interest, please check it out. And if the $5 price point's a little too high, please consider joining our downstairs tier, which is $1 a month. And with that $1, you get entry to our illustrious Lords of Grantham Lounge on Facebook, which is an exclusive group for listeners of the podcast and patrons who want to talk all things Gilded Age, Poldark, Downton, and a whole lot more. We love our fans who are with us in that group, and they're a lot more than just fans. They're our family. So we we mean that, and not just because I just said Fast and Furious a second ago. So um, the Patreon, if just uh, one more little pitch to you guys. We try to keep this podcast as um, barren with the ads as possible. We don't want to be shoving, you know, Manscaped and, you know, all of these other sort of things you hear audible uh, down your throat. We, we want this to be as DIY as possible, as straightforward as possible, and as, um, you know, free of any interruptions as possible. I know lately we've gotten some ads, but that's just... Um, that's our way to make money, but we'd love it if Patreon was the exclusive way that we kept the lights on and kept our hosting fees covered. So, you know, podcasts cost money, and Corey and I are both working guys who have full-time jobs, and this is something that we do for our fans because we love them. So um, I'm going to stop blabbering about how much we love doing this podcast and let you guys enjoy uh, something that we both have very different experiences with, Bridget Jones's Diary, and we'll see you next week for a fresh episode, Belgravia Season 2 is back. Boom. And hello to all of our upstairs tier Patreon patrons. Welcome. We are continuing with Pride and Prejudice uh, just because, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're checking all the boxes on it while we're covering it. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that the response has been good, it's easy content, and it's a nice, like, package. What I think we, we've discussed this, and I guess we can just spoil it now. Next month we're going to do, is it Death Death Comes to Pemberley, the miniseries? I, I, yeah, it, it, it arrives there. 
as from what I've heard. So yeah. that will round out our that will round out six months of uh, Pride and Prejudice coverage, which is a nice little bow on. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is weird to think. I know we we so we did the BBC, we did the O five movie, and here we are with uh, Bridget Jones Diary, and we'll, we'll see what literary adaptation we cover next, or where where this takes us. Uh, I think we can welcome suggestions on if there's a a whole trove of things to cover, you know? I think we're done. I think we're tapped out. Okay. I think it's All time right. to you said it. time to watch anime or something like that. <laughs> you said it. I wonder if me. there's like an anime adaptation of, of some classic British literature. Something that's eh. I'm sure there is. <laughs> there's always room for that stuff out there. Well um, do, do we want to just jump right into this? What what's Yeah. I mean, Dave, what is your experience with Bridget Jones' diary? Nothing, zero. Absolutely, I knew it the is, poster, and I know that I know is it. Oh, it's Renee. Is it Renee Zellweger? Yes, it's Renee. Okay, Zellweger. good. I, I, I get her, and I, I was like getting psyched up thinking about like, oh, I'm gonna mess up her name because I get her and like Naomi Watts Oscar mixed up in that era. Okay, wow, well, she stands out far and away from Naomi Watts for me. She's she was a much bigger star. But yeah, this movie came out pretty much 20 years ago, April 2001, and uh, we were pretty much still kids at the time, <laughs> so we were not the target audience for this movie. No, not at all. Yeah. Are you looking up Renee Zellweger now? No, I'm just pulling it up on IMDb, just so if I have any any other... <laughs> she was in Jerry Maguire. No, not her. She was the in movie, Chicago. just so I can have some <laughs> okay. frame of reference. Yeah. 2001. Uh, so... I do, I do have a frame of reference with this. So I've already seen this movie. Mm-hmm. I read the book. So there's, I, when did the book come out? 1996. And I, it was a hugely, massively popular book, of course. You know That's why you get an adaptation. But I, I, for some reason, distinctly remember... My sister is much older than me. She's about 17 years older than me. We were in a Burger King in the late 90s, and she was just talking about raving about this book that she was reading mm-hmm. Bridget Jones diary and she just kind of helped but you know talk in a British accent because she was obsessed with this book and stuff and yeah the movie came out happened she loved it showed it to my, my mom she loved it I didn't really pay attention but yeah I went to visit my sister nine years ago in Seattle and I needed some uh, plane reading on the way back and I saw that she had Bridget Jones's diary a copy of it so she just let me take it to go to read uh, and you read it all? I read, like, I was amazed. I read, like, half of it on the flight back. It was, like, a six-hour flight, and I just couldn't put it down. That's it was, good. It's a, it's, it's a funny book. It's a truly funny book. And Bridget Jones is a very relatable character. I related to her at the time. Uh, watched the movie back then. I liked the movie. Really liked the book, though. Uh, and I think I even related to this movie more today. Because <laughs> yeah, isn't she 32? She's 32, and she, you know, it starts with her on New Year's Day, and, and day and Dave, I mean, we're, we're 32, and our New Year's Day was not glamorous at all either. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> we recorded a Q&A the night before, if you want to go back yeah. in the logs. Just a few months ago, yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we woke up at some shanty Airbnb and... Shanty? It was a condo. Ourselves. It was a condo, but it was not a nice area at all, and... It was affordable, is what it was. It was. And, it, uh, it scratched the itch for what we needed. We just got ourselves out of there, and we're like, "Well, on with this year." And indeed, here we are, six months later, almost. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, very, very relatable. Very much so. Her watching Frasier on TV, there, just like 
moping. I, I don't watch Frasier specifically, but I can relate to just watching trash TV and just wondering what the hell is going on with my life, mm-hmm. you know? All about by myself, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is very much uh, paying homage to Pride and Prejudice. It, it lifts the romantic plot of it. I wouldn't say so much of the Pride and Prejudice is necessarily going on exactly, like the, the deep, rich themes from the, the story itself. Yeah, I think one um, issue that kind of plagued me for like the first 20 minutes of this movie was trying to draw lines for who was who. But I did. Cause, who was Mr. Darcy, Dave? Who, who was Darcy? Well, some may say Bridget. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. No, well, so I was. I thought this would be much more of a. Uh, what is it? What a Shakespeare is the Lion King, Hamlet. You know, something that's a lot more yeah. like of a adaptation or a translation versus a sort of homage, which was this mu- was much more homage than it is uh, an adaptation. Yeah, I mean, it takes the the basic romantic f- framework and runs away with it and transports it into a, a rom com, essentially. Yeah, but it's incredibly basic because I feel like, I mean, are we supposed to think that Hugh Grant is, Daniel Cleaver is um, Wickham? Is that the... Yeah, I mean, he follows the same trajectory of like, he seems like a seemingly well nice man, and then we find out the truth that he was really just kind of a a creep, <laughs> essentially, and not right for her. Because I thought so, but I, I I wasn't sure if I was just supposed to abandon uh, all all delineations at that point. Because no, in the no, Pride and Prejudice I... that we watch, especially if you only went off the 05 one, Wickham is a mm-hmm. is a blip, you know. Right, but no, he's. I think they beefed it up because it's a it's Hugh Grant, <laughs> and b it just makes for a classic rom com story there. So like, no, it's definitely intentional that they're they're taking that from from the original source material. Yeah. Uh, Watching this though, I was like, "Man, this is Hugh Grant's like prime role." Oh, like, absolutely! I mean, he's well known for being a cad. The the guy, you know, infamously was caught with a hooker while dating Elizabeth Hurley, and uh, I mean, that just tells you all you need to know about the man. <laughs> he's great. I guess that's what that means. <laughs> he's great. Right? That, that, I don't know if that makes you great. I mean, him apologizing on, on Leno was was iconic, uh, but no. I, I'm a huge fan of Hugh Grant movies, and he, he just is so effortless at coming off as like a piece of trash, but charming. He, he just he just knows how to be that character. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he's always that character, and it it it, it always works. It never fails. <laughs> yeah, like we watched uh, the Guy Ritchie movie, The Gentleman, in our movie club, and and Hugh Grant even now is like an older, saltier version of that. Like he's a he's he's brought it with him as he's gotten older. Like he hasn't redeemed himself and like rebuilt himself. He's just sort of let the 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 rust look nice and shiny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched the that miniseries with him and Nicole Kidman on HBO last year, like The Undoing. It was terrible, and a lot of it was because they just didn't let Hugh Grant be charming. <laughs> like I understand it was drama, but just let the man be charming if you hired him. That's what we're here for. Yeah, people like old people rom coms. What do you mean, old people rom coms? Hugh Grant's kind of an old, old dude now. You can't, you know, like he's not making a. There's, he's not. He can't be. I mean, he was he in the third Bridget Jones movie? Uh, I think he may make a cameo in that one. I'm not sure. Well, 
whatever, you know, like the people like the 40 and 50 plus rom-coms that aren't all like hip young people. Okay. Sure. What's the Alec Baldwin one? Yeah, I mean just with Steve Martin. Just let him be like the let him be the father of one of the characters or whatever and have let him have his own, you know, subplot or whatever. Uh but yeah, so you know, it it really is just a classic love triangle. That, that that's pretty much what they've lifted from Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. And and what there is of the pride is you know you get that early on with the way they judge each other, uh, Bridget and uh, Darcy, where you know he he calls out that she's just wearing her mother's clothes and she's just frumpy, and uh, he can't go for that. That's his prejudice. Meanwhile, she just finds him to be rude. Yeah, and that's her pride. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Dave, did you like this movie overall? I did. I did. It was a. Uh... I put in the the Patreon or the the Facebook group that like watch out we're we're going to the '90s because this feels very '90s. I know it's one but I think it's still yeah. kind of shaking that '90s dust off. You know what's what's '90s dust for you? The the vibe, the clothes, the music, the you know the attitude. I don't know. This feels very specifically 2001 to me. I mean. I was just hyper keyed into 2013. We were 12 when this came 12 out. to 13. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. specifically remember the vibes of being at 12, especially pre 9 11, because this is April 01. So this is technically yeah. made probably in 2000. Yeah. Well, yes, made in 2000. Maybe a little, maybe a pre production. And the, the book is the 90s. I, I think seeing that, like, she works with like an iMac, I think that specifically dates it like, okay, that's late 90s, early 2000s. And the that, Nokia cell phone. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to approach this movie because like the plot is so basic <laughs> in a lot of ways. It really is. Um, I mean, what, what we've already been talking about it for ten minutes, so it's not like we are uh, we are indebted to <laughs> to break down this plot. Well, but I mean, Dave, guess who is the uncle who's not really an uncle who gropes her butt? What do you mean? Who the actor is? Yeah, who, guess who it is? I mean, I got the IMDb. What did, like what other roles is he? No, I just what Downton character do you think he is? Oh, I was thinking because I saw his picture and it, it got me thinking. Um, Uncle Jeffrey, is he? He's somebody's. Is he cousin Atticus's father, Lord Cinderby? Yeah, he's Lord. He's Lord Cinderby. He's the one grabbing her bum repeatedly in this movie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good for you, man. You, you got it. Now, is is, um, is he the only one in this movie that has sort of crossed our paths before, aside from Colin Firth? I think for the most part, in terms of this British universe, as far as I can tell. The British universe. That's the, uh, yeah. the British cinematic I mean, there's universe. other recognizable faces. I mean, we do see early on that one of her friends, uh, Jude, is calling her from the bathroom distressed. And that is, of course, Moaning Myrtle from the Harry Potter you, series. Wait, that is? Because I looked that up. Yeah. So that's Babu yeah. Frick? That's Babu Frick from Star Wars. <laughs> oh, wait, man. So I just clicked that it's Shirley Henderson. I thought that was her. Um, mm-hmm. Guess what her first her first movie known for is on IMDb? Is it really Bridget Jones? And no, it's Babu Frick. Babu Frick. It's Babu Frick? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's good at doing childish voices, but yeah. So we see her in a bathroom here, and as we know, she goes on to be a ghost in the bathroom. So she just is good at doing that kind of role, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the friends were great. I thought we should have spent a little more time. Because this, this movie's relatively short. Yeah, it's only 97 minutes, I think. 
I think if we spent a little, like one one more um, scene at the bar with the friends in the middle, I would have liked mm-hmm. it. It would have done some good. Yeah, I mean the the, the friend, the male friend, uh, the gay male friend who had like a pop song. He's he's a one note character, but he's charming every time he's on the screen. Yeah, he's great. The part where he's he has his uh, chair on that woman old woman's shoe, and he thinks they're they're trying to Their coat, yeah, recognize it. Yeah, shoe coat on. Uh, mm-hmm. We're trying to recognize him for a song. Very funny. Very charming. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I could have like spent more time with just her being miserable, which I don't know how enjoyable that is for other people, but it was just intensely real to me. Uh, just like her, like obsessing about like her weight and how. And, and this is very much true from the book books uh, where she's just constantly talking about her weight. I think at the start of every chapter, mm-hmm. the units of alcohol that she's consumed, cigarettes. the number of cigarettes that she smoked. It, like that's a constant thing in the books. Very 90, and, uh, very nineties with all the cigarette smoking. That's for sure. Because I feel like by oh, the yeah. time we were in high school, you couldn't go to like a no Chili's and, and see people smoking inside. Whereas I feel like every yeah. place in this yeah. movie, they're just like chain smoking. Maybe that's a British thing mm-hmm. too. Highly likely it's a British uh, thing. Probably. Yeah. I mean, if you look closely at Hugh Grant's teeth in this movie, they're they're pretty yellow. He's a smoker, uh, and he's a Brit. So, also, I, I the one '90s thing I think, or just even a rom com trope, is because I watch like the show Younger, and it's like they're they're always working in the publishing world, in mm-hmm. the book world, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know why that's like the ideal job. You think of like 500 Days of Summer, he works at a greeting card company, something with creativity is like, oh yeah, that's a harmless job to yeah, her you know, industry to work in. Her, oh yeah, Joaquin yeah, yeah. Phoenix. He works at a writing greeting cards. For for some reason, <laughs> it, it just it's a breeding ground for for romance. Now, but it, it's it's very, like um, it, it's taking the idea of a creative industry, but making it a business. Mm-hmm. So it allows for the the protagonist to be to want the more creative, but be comfortable making money. You know, right. A couple things that have not aged well about this movie that keep it very much yeah in in that early aughts uh 90s vibe is hugh grant's flirting with her over messages he would be oh uh, hr (laughs) oh my god because i mean just working on a company i'm mindful of the messages i send out over our chat windows because those will be seen somewhere there are red flags that will be sent up if (laughs) if certain words are said oh the number of different group text chats or group text messages that i have that specifically leave out these people that will, that like mm-hmm. follow the rules too closely, this is right. one of those things where, and, and and Bridget would have been fired too. She broke the dress code many times. Oh, I know. She's wearing that that sheer button up. Like, oh man, like can't get away with that. Um, so yeah, th- that kind of threw me at first. Like, oh yeah, that's how they kind of first uh, encounter <laughs> each other and, and get on. Uh, what you expect from Hugh Grant, but it's not what you expect from corporate uh, <laughs> today. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that leads to them. I, I think it's enjoyable. It's an enjoyable part of the movie where they're dating and they're just having sex all the time, and she's just really confident in herself. Yeah, and it. Uh, it I feel like that's th- that's a very modern thing. Where I feel like in mm-hmm. the age of the Airbnb and the dating apps, I feel like that would be totally common for like that first sort of rush of dating. Yeah, for sure. Especially like going into the woods and going to this fancy house, you know, that's very on brand for 2021. Yeah. Uh, not crazy over, uh, 
her being the, the butt of the jokes in like every scene early on like we get it that she's put upon but I feel like it's always like man look how bad of a situation Bridget got Bridget got herself into this time and it really reaches the epitome of that with her wearing the, the bunny suit to that, that party it's like just go back and change or something like yeah there's no uh, there's no way out of, of some of these bits that they put her in it's, it's tough it's, it's, it's a shame but uh, you know, good for for carrying through. I, I recall at the time there was a lot of hubbub about this movie about all the weight that Renee Zellweger put on for the movie because she was quite frail, like maybe frail is an exaggeration. But she was quite skinny. Mm-hmm. Like there was always talks of her being potentially anorexic, and then she put on all this weight for Bridget Jones, and people were like applauding her and everything. And she just looks like a regular woman in this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't. When she's talking about her weight, I was like, really? I don't know if, if that tracks. She great. just seems normal. <laughs> Not that, not that I have deal. any frame of reference for someone, <laughs> a woman's weight. So yeah, but like there's there's a lot of pressure on that stuff, and it was really progressive. And then of course she got back in shape for Chicago, and people were like, "Boo, put the weight back on." And then she put it back on for Bridget Jones, and she kept it off, and now she doesn't even look like herself anymore in these days. And it's a sad story of Hollywood. Like it's just not not fair to women in a lot of ways. And she, but she looks great in this movie. It's a shame. Are you looking up Renee Zellweger today? No, I wanted to see when the last Bridget Jones movie was. 2016. 2016. Yeah. Oh, Patrick Dempsey's in this one. Right. McSexy, right? Yeah. McDreamy, right? Yeah. McDreamy, right. McSexy's the other dude. Yeah. Yeah, McDreamy. Um, Fun fun story. I was getting off a subway stop and they were giving out free passes to go to a a pre-screening of it to like hype the word around it. And I was just like, nah. I, I know I've read the book. I'm familiar with the material. I just can't go there as a single dude to this pre-screening of Bridget Jones's baby. So they do three years between one and two, and then 14 mm-hmm. years between two and three. 12 years between two and three. That's oh, yeah, because yeah. the sequel is one of the most derided and hated sequels, I think, in, in cinema. People hate uh, The Edge of Reason. They, they strongly dislike that movie. It's just I think it's just known as being completely pointless and a waste of time and just not funny or charming. Okay. All right. Just so you know. I, I mean, I wasn't planning that. on watching it. Okay. But maybe maybe we'll keep... Let's try to make a full year of Pride and Prejudice from this content. Well, I mean, let's keep the basic overview of this plot going. So, you know, we, we soon learned that... Was it Hugh Grant claims to hate Darcy because Darcy was with his fiance, but then as we soon immediately learned, Hugh uh, Cleaver, he, he was cheating on uh, Bridget with, you know, some American mm-hmm. in the office. So she's single again. And then she kind of ping-pongs around and yeah, I mean they don't really follow up on I mean, they do follow up. Why don't we just keep going with the story? Because I was going to tie it back to the edge of reason but you know, they, they see each other again at the party, Darcy and, and Bridget, mm-hmm. and then he lets her know he likes her just the way she is. Just yeah. the way you are. And Darcy's with uh, his fiance, or fiance mm-hmm. at the moment. I don't know if they're engaged. Uh, his girlfriend that he, he winds yeah, up. His girlfriend that they have designs to be more. Embeth Davids. I don't know her name, but I just know her the actress. <laughs> okay. The mom from AI, artificial intelligence. <laughs> Great. Great frame yeah, of reference. There you go. Who's <laughs> your frame of reference? But yeah, that speech there. I mean, that is a winner that he gives her that they quote throughout the they, they really try to make it a thing in the movie too and I think they actually succeeded in pop culture at that of like you know he likes you just the way you are and it's like you know the way he so simply and plainly puts it out there mm-hmm. uh, honestly watching this movie watching Firth in it 
And this is what kind of set my expectations for Pride and Prejudice 1995 is I feel like he brings a lot to the table in this movie. Like he, he's very much present and like he's a he, he's a well-rounded character. So I was kind of surprised watching the 95 miniseries that he's so reserved in that and that's the role that people love because I was like, man, Firth is bringing the heat in this movie. I think he's really good in this. Yeah, and even the, um, the sort of second scene, the you know, the, the second moment we see him in that first scene where he's talking to his mother He's infinitely less stuffy than Darcy is in the 1995 BBC Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I know he's playing a different character, but it very much is in that same vein of a guy who keeps himself, but it doesn't seem as like so intense as it is in the BBC series, which makes him a little bit easier to get into as a person, you know, as it makes him more endearing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, do, it does help that he's wearing an ugly Christmas sweater, so... Yeah, uh, but he, he doesn't get with her immediately. <laughs> um because he still get, he still has that girlfriend, and I, I like Bridget Jones watching Fatal Attraction back at her apartment while she's single, and you know Glenn Close saying how she's she's single as well, and then getting shot at the end of the movie. I've ne- I've never seen that movie, so I didn't get that reference either. Just the idea that you know you're just going to go crazy and then end up getting killed probably if you're single. They, I do I, like I the use of, of pop culture as a, mm-hmm. a a not a moving the plot, but accentuating the plot. Oh, I mean the music. The music drops in this movie. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> I mean, it, well, it comes back around because she was it. Uh, Darcy helps her get an interview mm-hmm. where she comes across quite charming. And, and it's then, a big interview you know, when nobody else can get is. the interview at this scenic. So she quits her job as the assistant, right? And applies for every TV job and just gets one that's at some sort of low rent news station, associate producer type of role. Yeah. And she and, goes and she sees Darcy at this sort of scene of the crime because he's a lawyer. Or not mm-hmm. scene of the crime, um, courthouse. And yeah. she, like, he he gives her the scoop. And he says he's kind of proud of her. He likes her story about the firehouse or whatever where you see her butt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember that was in all the trailers and everything. Uh and I still don't get why it's such a big deal. I get that it's embarrassing, but it's just like, it's just her thighs coming down a pole there. I mean, calm down, people. I don't know. It's a hard R movie. It's not some... Yeah, maybe it's just buttoned up right and reacting to that and everything. But yeah, everyone's everyone's into it, and it puts her over a little bit. But this uh, interview that she gets really makes a name for herself. She's super successful in her role at a TV station that she mm-hmm. started working at, and... So, yeah, Darcy comes over for dinner one night where she completely fails to cook everything and makes a blue soup. Yep. I don't know how you fail that. I feel like it's almost like that's, a step too far. That's comedy. In the movie. That's, how, that's what you call good, high-quality comedy. <laughs> okay. But this is when, yeah, uh, Cleaver comes back, and he he's, hasn't stopped thinking about Bridget. He wants her back, and Firth invites him outside and fucking punches him repeatedly in the face. <laughs> yep. In a big brawl through a restaurant. What did you think of this fight scene, Dave? It was a good rom-com fight scene. I love the way he cold cocks him right in the face, like twice. <laughs> like, and then really Cle- Cleaver it. gets his shots in too. Let's not let's not uh, mm-hmm. pretend he doesn't. And it's uh, raining men is playing, you know, <laughs> perfectly, perfectly capturing the, the moment there. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty good. You know, that was a little too much for me. But I guess this, that's where the comedy of the rom-com it's, it's comes It's pretty popular. Through. I mean, I think it's a dream of a lot of people to have two people fighting over them, I think. you know? Oh, yeah. It's I mean, so nice to have options. Yeah, I just mean the needle drop <laughs> of that song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
but I mean, that's where she kind of cuts it off at Cleaver, where it becomes clear to her that she's not her, his first choice necessarily, or mm-hmm. the one for him. And that's where the edge of reason comes in, where, oh, Cleaver's back. And then it's like, didn't we resolve this in the last movie? No, let's have a pointless sequel to do that. So that's why the edge of reason doesn't need to exist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, anyways, though, uh, what is it? They, they go back and forth. And was it there's like a, uh, a dinner where, or a gathering? It's, it's New Year's again, right? It's Christmas time, holidays. Yeah, so it's a year later, and, and she's talking about how she gained weight. She's bigger than she was she's a year before. 140 pounds now. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then they find out that uh, Darcy is indeed engaged. Well, no, he's, he's not quite engaged. He's going to America they, they, right. with his future wife. Right, because the, the parents make the, the, the assumption that He'll be an in, she'll be an in-law soon enough, and it's like well, I don't think they even made the proposal yet exactly, but sure. Yeah. And then Bridget embarrasses herself again. <laughs> yeah. Saying no. And then he changes his mind. Yeah, and we find out that uh, it was a, uh, it was a uh, Darcy that was the one that was cheating on. Mm-hmm. With with his, uh, or rather, it was Darcy's fiance was the cleaver. It was the flip. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly like Pride and Prejudice, where it actually flips the story. Like, oh no, you didn't know the whole story. It was the opposite. <laughs> poor, poor Darcy. Is that just occur- occurring to you, Dave? That that no <laughs> direct I, line. Yeah, oh, no. Okay. Of course I knew. Come on. Okay. I watched two adaptations right. of this story. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Um, and we do get the last uh, piece where you know he sees what she wrote about him in her, her diary. Which we then get one more moment of Bridget embarrassing herself by running around in her underwear outside to go mm-hmm. uh, chase Darcy down. But it leads, leads to that moment, like, um, was it? She says, "Nice boys don't kiss like that," and he says, "Yes, they effing do." It's like, hell yeah, man! <laughs> Should have said that to Lizzie in, in 1995. I know that would like sent women to the moon. Like, come on! Just winks at the camera. He's like, "See ya." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> been huge. Um, we we totally skipped over the parent plot where uh, the mother is seeing some guy who keeps being more tan and tan. He's like a yeah, QVC. Like, yeah, so I hated guy. that. That got me really annoyed. The one thing I appreciate is it made Jim Broadbent look normal. He usually has the biggest eyes and everything he's in. He looks like a, a dang frog sometimes, but he looked normal. Yeah, put him next to a living he, cartoon character. He'll look just fine. Yeah, he, he he fit right in, and I felt for him. I felt bad for him, and I, I'm glad that they reconciled by the the movie. It's just a, a nice subplot to everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little bummed that he didn't have a little more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? A little more mm-hmm. opportunity to strike on his own rather than just sort of sit around yeah. and wait for his wife to come back to him. Right, and I don't really like his wife. She makes that one comment that was a Darcy's ex was uh, Japanese, and she says, uh, who was caught you know cheating with Cleaver, and she's like, was it they're so wrong, that type, or it sounds like they're type, and it's like, Jesus, that is just so racist yep. <laughs> and not funny well that's that's that uh that's that early aughts still allowed to I get guess. away with stuff like that nah <laughs> not even then i don't know that's pretty rough uh yeah so i think we covered a lot of that movie honestly really quick yeah because <laughs> it's, it's a simple straightforward movie yeah and a pretty um, good simple straightforward movie didn't it's a charming it's a good date movie that's really what it is yeah and, and i wh- think it's what award did she win she was nominated for an Oscar for this. But didn't she win, like, a Golden Globe? Or not that it matters, but... She probably won a Golden Globe because they award comedies, you know, and the, this slotted right in. 
Well, she des- uh, I'd say she deserved the Oscar nod. Yeah, she's so totally winning in this. I mean, she is the movie. It, it's, I mean, well, I think Hugh and and Firth are great, but like, she she really is the movie, and like that's what I think audiences were drawn to. She's relatable, and uh, it's why people keep returning to it even now. Yeah, like us. Years on. Did you do a power rankings, Dave? I did. Did you? I did a different ranking, and we can get to that after you cover your power rankings. Oh, okay. So now I got to just run through all of mine. <laughs> Because there's not enough characters necessarily. Yeah, it's kind of forced. Um, <laughs> okay. So I'll just burn. I think Uncle Uncle Jeffrey's number three because he's a creep. Okay. Lord Tend to be. Yep. Uh, Cleaver's number two just because. You know it's it's not not that bad. He's gonna he's gonna be mm-hmm. rebound. I think. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe not on screen, okay. but in some capacity. Number one, I got Bridget's dad because I feel like he should have he should have left the mom for good. He shouldn't have gone back. To he should have. I think he could have done better. Yeah. Going, Poor guy. Going up, number three, I got the the gang of friends because I think they they get to bear mm-hmm. witness to all of Bridget Jones's tomfoolery and they're so constantly supportive. <laughs> I love the guy just saying like, "There's a fight outside, like an actual <laughs> and fight." And he goes into the restaurant like, "Fight!" <laughs> yeah. Um, number two, I, I got fights. Darcy just because uh, Darcy, and number one, I got Bridget Jones. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yeah. It's funny when he says that fight thing. You think, today would be to be like world star, world star, <laughs> and then everyone go outside. There'd be phones out. Somebody. But, so you, you had you, you had Darcy number two and Bridget number one. Yep. That makes sense. It's, I mean, it's too obvious. It, it, it kind of writes itself in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I took a different tack to this, which is since we're kind of wrapping up our coverage of Colin Firth for now, I had I ranked his most iconic moments in cinema. Okay. And TV. So. Let me indulge me, if you will. Uh, as, a, as an honorable mention, I'll mention the glasses that he wears in A Single Man. Well, this is kind of like his comeback movie. He, he kind of lied low for much of after Bridget Jones and Love Actually, where he, he wasn't in that many popular movies. And then that movie, A Single Man, in 2009, he got nominated for Best Actor, which I think as a makeup for that movie, they gave him the Best Actor for King's Speech, which, take it or leave it, that movie's okay, whatever. He's good in it, mm-hmm. but... A single man, he's he's great, and and the glasses he wears are almost iconic. Tom Ford directed that movie, The Fashion Man, and he pretty much wears those glasses again in in um, The Kingsman because Colin Firth looks great in those glasses. And I don't know how many people I saw wearing thick rim glasses after that movie because they look stylish. Mm-hmm. So that's an honorable mention. <laughs> now onto the top five. Okay. Number number five, Colin Firth scene moment in movies. It's the church fight in Kingsman. That is just incredible action. That's it. And I, think, is, I think that's a movie that I, I think checks a lot of boxes for Lord of Grantham. It's it does. action. It does. It's got Firth. It's British. Mm-hmm. That's the. I saw the box. Good movie. I think. Our, I and think the Lord of Grantham scene, Lounge would be great. That's. I mean, you know me. I love Kingsman. Yeah, but that fight scene in the church is just like that makes you believe. Like, oh man, this guy's a badass. <laughs> Firth can go with. Uh, <laughs> with Skinner playing in the background too. Yeah. So after that, though, I have the fight in Bridget Jones because I think that is a scene that people really gravitated towards. They really, I mean, it's two icons of British cinema and romances and drama. It's Hugh Grant and Colin Firth just duking it out mm-hmm. to its reigning men. Like it's just a perfect recipe there of like what more could you want out of this, you know, kind of rom com thing. You know, it's perfectly charming. Mm-hmm. And also, I think Firth gets some good punches in in that twice. Third. I'd say him going to get his love and, and love actually. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Dave. I know you've seen the DVD menu screen. That's that's all I remember. Every year I'm like, maybe this is the year, but it just never happens. It's a long movie. It's like almost two and a half hours, I think. It's way overstuffed. 
but his plot is actually one of the best parts of that movie and and the the proclamation he makes of love in that movie is just it's great it's so charming it's it's prime for mm-hmm. number two it's again Bridget Jones' diary where he tells her she he likes her just the way she is that again is a moment that has resonated with women I'm just based this on an Oprah interview I watched a few years after this movie where they talked about how he is approached all the time about that scene that women really want to be told they they love they, that a man loves them just the way they are and the way Firth delivers it I guess you know just speaks speaks to them and he's great in this scene I think he's great okay and number one of course it's just him diving into a lake in Pride and Prejudice I mean how else could that not be number one really it's not him appearing in moment. mirrors <laughs> yeah it's the biggest it's departure from the Jane Austen story right but I mean he owns it he, he, he wears that floppy shirt afterwards yeah, he's looking like he's looking like Gangrel <laughs> sure he looks like a vampire he you know he just oozes uh, self confidence and it's what the ladies like, I think, about the Firth. So I think if you had to boil his career down, it would be those things. Let me know if I'm missing anything about Colin Firth here. I'm not. A, I'm not well enough versed in the Firth, and it's not making the King's Speech. King's Speech is. I mean, if you go back and watch that movie, no, no. I, I, it, it's just. It just doesn't do enough. There's just not enough there. It's entertaining for what it is, but it's imminently forgettable. I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that director is the guy who went on to do, was it Les Miserables and Cats and stuff? That I think he's been since exposed as just being a hacky kind of d- director. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, down on uh, the director Tom Hooper's uh, King Speech, and apologies to Firth being in it. He's he's good. I'm su- and he he won Best Director for that movie. Ugh, terrible movie. I'm surprised no, that uh, I feel like Firth is like built to be a, like a Marvel bad guy or a Star Wars side movie bad guy, you know? Yeah, I think he's just waiting for his paycheck for one of those kind of movies, you know? He's a Mamma Mia. He is in Mamma Mia, that is true. That and the, Mamma Mia, for a time, was the most successful film in all of the UK with over $400 million, I think. I've never, I saw, a sta- I saw it on stage once, but I've never seen the movie. I'm just not an ABBA guy, necessarily. Yeah, we went. It was so, it was my senior year in jazz band. We went, and it was a, a night on one of our long weekend trips with those. Mm-hmm. And I remember the house. But I, I also don't like ABBA, but the band was really good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with ABBA, but uh, just not not, not enough to justify. To and I heard the sequel is not not good at all. My mom saw it and was just horrified at what they put together there. So, well, I'm sure they got paid well. <laughs> Firth got his money. Absolutely, but uh, I think that's it for Bridget yeah, Jones. Speaking right there. of getting your money, everyone <laughs> yeah. here. Hopefully that was you got your money's worth there. <laughs> Let us know if you want us to talk any more about this or anything. If you want us to see Edge of Reason, I don't know why, but sure, you know, just tell us what you want us to watch. But we are going to Pemberley again after this. Yes, Death comes to Pemberley next month, and then let's go to the drawing board. I know we get lots of ideas for these miniseries are tough. And a lot of people want us to do yeah. BBC stuff. It's a, it's lofty. We don't want to commit to these multi-month things that are just very, 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 very niche. I feel like Pride and Prejudice is a big, broad thing. Yeah. So, let us know. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the Lords of Grantham Lounge. Yeah, thank you for your patronage, as always. <laughs>